Chapter 11 in your Bibles this morning. Luke 11, starting with verse 33, talking about light. Are you a light this morning? Are you a light for Christ? It's dark out there. Father, we ask you to open our ears and hearts for your word this morning, and may your Holy Spirit be our teacher and show us the thing of Christ. Father, we know that with man this is impossible, but with you all things are possible. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would minister right now. In Jesus' name, amen. No one, when he has, hit a, has lit a lamp, put it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your body, your whole body is full of light, having no part darkness, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives light. Hmm. So he says, no one when he has a little lamp, you're not going to put a lamp under a basket. On a you're going to put it on a lampstand that those come in can see it. A lamp not supposed to be hidden. We must, we must put a lampstand where the light can reach the furthest. The purpose of a lamp is to give light. Christ is the light of the world. But most put their lampstand underneath a basket, hide their light. We want to put it on the lampstand where it can go to furthest and give the most light to anybody that will see it. Some people can't see the light or won't see the light. But Christ is the light of the world, and he did not hide his light when he was here on the earth. And we shouldn't hide our light either. We shouldn't hide it. We are to reflect his light because his light will give us guidance, and his light will give us direction. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so you are the light of the world. And a city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Are you letting your light shine before men? You know the old song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. How many know that song? Two. <laughs> it's all right if you don't. It's okay. We just sang this song back in Memphis. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, 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 shine. Anyway. Yeah. You don't want to put a lamp. You want it so to be seen. Let your light so shine so people can see Christ in your life. They should see something different about us. We lead by example. Our life reflects who he is. And when the light of the truth of Jesus Christ eliminates illuminates us, we have the duty to let that shine, that light shine on other people. The world should see different. They should see something different with us. Our witness for Christ should be public, not hidden. 
We shouldn't keep all the benefits to ourselves alone, but we should pass the benefit that light on to other people. So we should seek opportunities to shine your light because unbelievers need to hear and they need, they need to see Christ and you are the only Jesus some will ever see. A lot of people are not going to come to church. Do you know Washington State is the most unchurched place in the United States? It's right here. Mainly Pierce County. Did you know that? People out here, you know, well, I can say a lot, but people out here just don't go to church. Most of them don't. But we are to lead by example. Our witness should be public. It should not be hidden. We should be looking for opportunities on your job. When you go on your job, don't think you're out of God's will because you're on that job because God could have called you there and God could have placed you there so you could lead, lead other people to Christ. So how are they going to know except they have a preacher? So you are the preacher. You ain't got to be behind a pulpit. When you leave out of here and go out into that world, you are a preacher because you know the gospel. You ought to go on that job and let that light shine. Show up. When I was working in Wren, there were so many guys, so many Christians that they said they were letting their light shine and they would show up late. And I'm thinking, no, man. They only live, they only live 15 minutes from the job, right? And they coming in there late. Hey, brother, your light shining? I said, yeah, mine shining. Is yours? You're late, man. Supposed to be on the job on time. We're supposed to be believers. We're supposed to set the example. There's nowhere in the Bible where a believer is supposed to be lazy. Nowhere. Nowhere. So the best way you can let your light shine on your job is to be a good employee and to be a good worker. When I was working in Wren, there was a lot of employers would not hire believers because they say believers were lazy. And some of them were sad to say. But let that light shine so people can see it, so the sinners can see it. He never told the sinners to come to us. He told us to go to them. We, you are a reflection of that light in a very dark world. Can you look around and see that the world is dark? You are a reflection of that light. Light attracts Light can also convict, but light attracts. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eyes is good, other words, on the things of God, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad on the things of the world, then your body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light. And when the bright Shining of a lamp gives you light. Give light. Give light. Sometimes it's just a smile. Sometimes it's just being friendly to people. Sometimes people are having a bad day. You can come along and give a kind word or a smile or something. And it's many opportunities to witness for people if you just put a smile on your face. And don't walk around like you're mad at the world and know who you are. You are representing Christ when you leave this church. 
That's who we're representing. God's word is a light that shines in a dark world. But it is not enough for that light to shine externally. It must also shine in our lives so it can be seen by other people. The Bible says God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Bible says, for you, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. So walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. Walk. It's an important thing is that we take advantage of the light. Have a single eye for Christ. A single eye of faith. If we keep one eye on things of the world and another eye on the things of Christ, then we are double-minded. God wants total obedience and God wants total submission. Each one of us is controlled either by light or darkness. He said the lamp of the body, he said the lamp of the body are the windows to the soul, I hear people say. Well, that's probably true. We must be careful what we let our eyes see and we must be careful not to let darkness come in. There's many ways darkness can come in and I can defeat myself. I didn't say Satan defeated me. I say the way I act, the way I think, the darkness I let come into my mind, I can defeat my own self. Through the computer, you know, TV programs, using God's name in vain, I couldn't believe it. I haven't watched TV for a long time, but I turned it on the other day, and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. We can let darkness come in through TV. We can let darkness come in through gambling. I know a lot of Christians tell me, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't gamble. Well, you know, the Bible says you should be good stewards of what God has given you and not gamble the money away when that money could be used for the kingdom of God. So you can let darkness in by how I think, what I feed on. If I feed that old nature, and I know a lot of people, a lot of people teach that once you're born again, you only have one nature, and that's God's nature. But I believe, I believe that you still have two. And you'll see how fast that old nature would show his ugly head if you get out of the word of God in fellowship. That old man will dominate that old man still wants control. That's why a lot of folks don't want to uh, get involved. They don't want to go to church anymore. So I'm very particular about what my eyes see because I'm letting darkness in. Because if I let darkness in, it's going to affect how I think. And how I think is how I'm going to become. It's what I'm going to become. If you're feeding on that old nature that we inherited it from Adam, it was strong. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Other words, don't give that old man a chance. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. That's why the Bible said, do not love the things in the world. 
If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. This is not of the Father, but of the world. And he said the world is passing away in all the lusts. But he that does the will of God will abide forever. So we shouldn't let darkness in by what we see, by what we go, things we do. That darkness will control you. Our an outlook determines my outlook, what I do that will determine what I will become. And I have just given Satan a foothold. I gave it to him. I didn't say he take, I didn't say he took it. I said I gave it to him. I can give Satan a foothold in my life. But when you're spiritualized, when you're spiritualized, maybe the things of this world are clouded with darkness. It can affect us, and we can be controlled by that darkness. But spiritual wisdom, that's what God wants us to have. you got to have wisdom in this world. you got to have wisdom in this world. That's why I tell my grandkids, watch who you hang with. Watch who you hang with. I tell my grandkids, I said, don't dress like those girls. I don't say you can't look pretty. I mean, there's a come a time where you, some of these girls are going too far. They say that's old-fashioned. Well, I guess I am. But I wouldn't, let, I wouldn't let my daughter dress like that. So don't let darkness in. Because the, the soul and the spirit, the, the Bible says, the flesh and the spirit are warring against one another. So you can't do the things that you want to do. The flesh and the spirit, it's a constant battle between the old nature and the new nature. And it's going to be a battle to the day you die. When you became born again, you just joined the army, bro. Amen. People said, man, this is a war inside now. I used to get to do whatever I wanted to. Now I can't. I feel bad. I feel convicted. Well, that's good. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, estranged, he said, abstain from fresh, fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We are in a spiritual warfare, and that warfare won't, it, it won't end until the day you die. Who say Christianity is easy? We're going against the grain, man. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a salmon going uphill to spawn. You get beat up, boy. Sometime in this old world, we get beat down, but the end, we're going to win. Amen. All right, yeah. So let that light shine. The dark, it's getting darker. And here we are at such a time as this for a reason. For a reason. Verse 37, Jesus here is, is he's going to be talking about the religious leaders. Woe to the Pharisees. He says, the religious leaders... Verse 37, and as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to dine. Verse 38, when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but 
your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Fool, foolish ones, did not he who makes the outside make the inside also, but rather give alms of such things as you have? Then indeed all things are clean to you, but not to him. The Pharisees had a certain way to wash their hands. Mark chapter 7, 2 and 3, it says this. When they saw some of the disciples eat bread with the file that is unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands a special way. A special way holding the tradition of the elders. They had a special way for you to wash your hands according to their tradition. And if you didn't wash your hands a special way, according to them, you hadn't washed your hands at all. The Pharisees were, were concerned with ceremony, a, a, a ritual. It had nothing to do with hygiene at all. Ceremonial cleansing was, cleansing was not commanded in the law, but added in the tradition of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were more concerned about keeping ceremony than about being moral. The basic error of the Pharisees was thinking that righteousness was only a matter of external things, external actions, and they minimized internal, the heart. They thought, they thought external, doing external things could make them righteous. Nothing you do external can change the human heart. They didn't practice what they preach. Matthew 23, 23 say, you know, he said, they say, Matthew says, therefore, whenever they tell you to do what they tell you to do, observe. What they tell you to do, observe, but just don't do what they do. What they, they talking a good game. And they're telling you what to do, but he said, just don't do what they do. John the Baptist, you know, he, John the Baptist, he, he told him straight up. He was, he was baptizing for, at the Jordan River, and, and he looked up and saw the Pharisees, and he said, Whoa, you generations of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He said, don't come talking about Abraham as your father, because God can turn these stones, Abraham. He said... Where's the fruit? John said, where's the fruit for repentance? He said, if he repented, he said, where's the fruit? He said, the axe is laid at the foot of the tree, and every tree that does not bear forth fruit, God will cut down and throw into the fire. That's what John the Baptist told him. They were religious, but they were blind. You know, uh, uh, John 3, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Came to Jesus by night. Lord, you know, I know God must be with you because no man can do these things unless, unless God be with him. Jesus said, you must be born again. John, I mean, Nicodemus said, well, how can I get in my mother's room twice when I'm old? Jesus said, uh, that is born of flesh is flesh, and that is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not, you must be born again. He's he about the wind goes where it will. And Nicodemus says, how can these things be? He didn't understand. Jesus had to break it down to him. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Tradition blinds people. He was, he was religious, but he was blind, very blind. The Pharisees, was out, they were concerned about the outside, of the outside but, but inside they were wicked. 
If these religious leaders were, were concerned about cleansing their hearts as they were their hands, they would have been accepted by God. They looked at a ceremony or a ritual to cleanse them, to cleanse them instead of Christ. But nothing external can, can cleanse the heart. Only Christ can. These guys were religious, but they had no relationship. How many people do you know that they are religious but have no relationship? Religious. Satan don't care how religious you are. That's why I don't like religion. I like relationship with Christ. He don't care how religious you are. The Bible said there's a way, Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 12 say, religion looks so beautiful, like it's attractive and appealing, but the Proverbs 14, 12 said there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end is the way of death. There's a lot of things that seems right, might look right. But he said the end is the way of death. There's only one, there's only one Savior, and that's Christ. He said, woe, verse 42, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe and men, and you root leaves of certain, uh, certain plants, and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving others undone. The first war denounced the Pharisees for the wrong priorities. They were careful about tithing every little leaf and every little seed and every little herb. But they forgot the most important thing was love and justice. These guys had no love. They majored on the miners. Jesus said they strained at a net and they will swallow a camel. Jesus did not say that they should not tithe, but that they should put their religious activity in proper perspective. The Pharisees worried about tithing 10%, even down to the smallest herb, according to their tradition. And they counted it out by hand, all the spices. But they bypassed, he said, some things you guys have left undone. They bypassed Justice and they bypassed love. They left these things undone, which was very important. They had no compassion of love. Verse 43 says, What are you Pharisees? For you loved the best seats in the synagogues. They thought they were sitting in the best seats would make them spiritual. What are you Pharisees? For you loved the best seat in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplace. Pharisees knew the Old Testament interpreter of the law given by Moses. They were teachers of the law. They thought that it made them righteous. When I was back on the East Coast, some churches I went to, you just couldn't sit anywhere you wanted to sit. And I was asked a few times to get up because that was my seat. I'm thinking, what? I was asked a few times. I went to church over there in Memphis and the people told me, later told me she'd been at church 30 years. And she'd been sitting in that church for 30 years in that same seat. And she told me uh, I was in her seat. So I told her, you know, I said, well, I, people ask me all the time when they come here, well, where do I sit? Sit in the way you want to. It's not making a difference where you sit. It's not going to make you any more spiritual than anybody else where you sit. But they said, he says, they, they said in the best seats in the synagogues. They sit up front. They face in the congregation. This is where the most prominent people sat so they could be seen. This was, a, this was a position of importance to them. They thought that sitting in the right seat and being acknowledged by the right people will make them spiritual. Public praise of men 
Now, you know, Matthew 6 says, be careful how you practice your righteousness before men because you have got your reward. But they were doing it to be, to be seen. They want to impress people. First, first, uh, first 44, it says, What are you scribe Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Hypocrites, you know what a word hypocrite means in the Greek? It means an actor. A hypocrite means an actor, a person trying to be something that they're not. They play a role. They play a part. They talk a good talk. They talk the talk, but they're not walking the walk. He says, hypocrites. The Jews had to be especially careful about ceremonial defilement from dead bodies, so they made sure that their graves were carefully marked. Whenever Whoever in the open field touches one who is dead uh, should be unclean for seven days. So according to the law, walking on the grave caused a person to be defiled. So when people came in, Jesus is saying, you guys are hypocrites. When people come in contact with you, don't you know, you're just as dead as those graves. You're making others spiritually unclean. Like unmarked grave hidden in a field, the Pharisees corrupted everybody that came, that came in contact with them, with their tradition. The Pharisees could have used their tradition to help a lot of people. They could have used their position to, to attract people to Christ, but the Pharisees were the stumbling block to a lot of people because of their rituals, because of their tradition, because of the hypocrisy, they turn people away. Oh, people can see a hypocrite, so you might as well just be what you are. You know, you might as well be, you can't be anybody else but yourself. So the, verse 45, then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. They should have kept silent, but they should have done. They should have kept their mouth closed, but they didn't. They said, hey, you talking to us too? They said, you're going, what you're saying is very insulting to us. Are you talking to us too? He said in verse 46, he said, Woe to you also, lawyers. I'm talking to you too. For you load men with burdens hard to bear. And you yourself do not touch a, the burdens with one of your fingers. They put burdens on people, but they had no heart to help people carry the burdens. They, they were... They were not attorneys, but they were students of the Mosaic law. They're supposed to be experts in the law who burden people down with rules and regulations and this very discouraging to people. They kept adding things to the original law, which they themselves did not live up to themselves. Hmm. They made people's lives difficult. They added their traditions. They added their regulations. They added their rituals. They had no sympathy. And they lacked humility. They were very self-righteous. They said, hey, and the lawyer said, are you talking to us too? He said, well, woe to y'all too. Talking to you too. Verse 47, what are you who build the tombs of the prophets and your fathers killed them? In fact, you, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers. For they indeed killed them and you build them tombs means that they were following the same example as their spiritual fathers. You know, they, I will let these experts in the law appeared to honor the prophets 
in building tombs, but inwardly they rejected the Messiah, the prophets who the prophets spoke about. They thought it made them spiritual by building tombs for the prophets, but they rejected the prophets. That they rejected what the prophets spoke about. The prophets spoke about Jesus. When you reject a prophet of God, it's just like rejecting God himself. When you reject a gospel, it's just like rejecting Jesus Christ himself. People say, oh, I believe in God, but oh, I don't believe in the gospel. Wait a minute. Hold it. You can't have one without having the other. You reject that gospel. It's just like rejecting Christ himself. Therefore, the witness of God is also said in verse 49, I will send the prophet and apostles and some of them you will persecute. And a lot of them did. They persecuted the prophets because they didn't like what the prophets said. All the prophets said was what God told them to say. And the people didn't like it. And that's why a lot of prophets were killed. And Jesus said, if they persecute them, they're going to persecute us. A lot of times, people don't like our message. You know what? I'm so sorry about that. The message is true, and it's not going to change. Therefore, the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required, it says it's going to be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Abel's death was recorded in Genesis, the first death, Genesis chapter 4. Zechariah, the last Old Testament martyr, 2 Chronicles 24. He was the last prophet slain. But these prophets had a rough time. But he said, all the bloodshed you guys kill is going to be required of this evil generation. Verse 52 says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourself, and those who were entering in, you hindered. They locked up the truth of the scripture by their faulty interpretation of the scripture. They locked up the truth of the scripture by their faulty interpretation. They should have opened people's mind to the things of Christ. But by the false interpretation with their ritual and with their tradition, they kept people out of salvation. They had full access to God's word. And the teachers and the lawyers were equipped to lead people to a relationship with Christ. Instead, he said, you guys lock people out by your traditions and your rules. And you distorted the interpretation and you, you kept people out by misinterpreting the truth. They had closed the door of God's love to people and thrown away the key. These guys had the knowledge and they could have used it. And he said these things to them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently. That means violent. They became violent in their words to cross-examine Jesus. They want to cross-examine him now. Verse 54 says, lying in wait for him. 
and seeking to catch him in something that he might say that they might accuse him. They didn't want the truth. They said they wanted to describe in the Pharisees who tried to get Jesus to talk, not to gain understanding from him, but an effort to verbally try to trap him, which they could not do, trying to get him to say something by which they could accuse him, but that didn't work. They were hoping to make, he would, they were hoping that he would make a blunder that would allow them to destroy his ministry. That didn't work. They tried to provoke him, they tried to trap him, but it was not possible. How can you trap the Son of God? How can you do that? It's not even possible. Jesus was God in human flesh. He could not be trapped. A lot of people think Jesus had it easy, but he, he didn't have it easy. Jesus had it rough, too. He was despised and rejected, just like us, just like we do sometimes. He, he, he had it rough, too. So don't, don't feel when things ha bad happen to you because you are a Christian, don't take it personally. You have to wipe the dust off your feet and go to someone who is willing to hear you. There's a lot of people out there. Once somebody don't want to hear you, what do you do? You go to somebody else. If you here today and you have not put your faith in Christ, you know, joining the church can't, can't save you. There's only one Savior of the world. That, that will never change. That will never change. There's many denominations, there's many religions, but there's only one Savior. The Bible says, He that has a son has life. And he that has not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. You're abiding under God's wrath. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, God's wrath is against you. But the Bible said, God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. The Bible said, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Anybody, anybody. I wonder if there's someone here today, they have not put their faith in Christ. You have not asked Christ to come into your life. This is your day. All you have to do is say, dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I invite you to come into my life. I accept you, that you died and you rose again, rose again on the third day. And I accept you in my heart right now. And I ask you to save me and take me to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not the prayer to save you unless you mean it, right? It's a heart. It's a heart of the heart. You know, the thief on the cross, he said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. It's just a very short prayer, right? It, it was nothing fancy. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. So you can say the sinner's prayer all you, all you want, but unless you mean it, it, it's nothing. It means nothing. But if you're here today, if you said the prayer, if you want to talk to me afterwards, I'd be glad to give you a Bible and talk to you. And if you're watching by YouTube and Facebook, if you've received Christ, I would like to hear from you that you received Christ. And tell other people. We are the light and we are the salt. So when you leave out of here, remember who you are. Remember who you are, who you belong to. You are not your, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So let's all stand.